Hello, everybody. Just a quick disclaimer before this week's episode. As you know, we've been recording our episodes remotely lately due to the COVID-19 pandemic, so please excuse the slight dip in audio quality. I also wanted to give a shout out to all the nurses, doctors, and medical professionals working every day to save lives. Y'all are the real heroes, and we love you. And now, here's the show. From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. And for the month of November, we are excited to be highlighting the films of another great film festival, the New Orleans Film Festival. And we're especially excited to be talking about the documentary Do Not Split. We are joined by the film's director, Anders Hammer. Anders, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Tell the audience a little bit about your really gripping documentary, Do Not Split. So it starts last summer in Hong Kong. At that time, really big demonstrations erupted very fast. A big group of young people, mostly students or younger, hit the streets and had very big rallies in what they saw was the fight for the future, basically. They were worried about being integrated as a part of mainland China in the sense that they would be governed in the same way as the rest of China, which is very different from the way they grew up. So Mm -hmm. it was a very intense period where I basically tried to capture this on film uh, by following the protesters for months. And during that period, it escalated. Uh, It got more and more intense and It lasted much longer than anyone expected, and it became much more dramatic than anyone expected. And I think you hopefully can see that in the movie. Yeah, we saw it in the movie. And I mean, obviously, the world was watching, you know, maybe not as intently as we should have been. But your film really puts the audience in the middle of the conflict. It is a completely immersive experience. Were you already in Hong Kong and and you decided to make this documentary or were you, did you travel to Hong Kong to kind of follow the protests and what was happening? I was actually in Taiwan. Um, Okay. And then I have been working in, let's say, difficult areas before. I used to live in Afghanistan for a very long period. Mm -hmm. I've also worked in other conflict areas uh, and followed both protests and basically war. Uh, So I I felt that I had the practical experience to go into something like this, but I I was really not sure whether I would make a movie in Hong Kong. So first I just went to have a look, basically. It might sound sound a bit silly, but I was not sure whether I would work on it. But I I was very curious how it would play out in the streets. So I went uh, for, let's call it a research trip, Uh, but Mm. I started filming and then I went and got my proper equipment and I came back and just stayed. Yeah. And as you mentioned, you've been in Afghanistan, you've been in other war zones and and covered a lot of stuff. You have a photojournalist background. With this film, as I mentioned before, it's you're really in there and you put the audience in there and there's some really scary moments. Mm. With all the stuff that you've done over the years, do you still 
have some sense of fear, even though you're kind of used to these environments, there's still got to be some some sense of uh, what's going to happen here, you know? Yeah, I'm sure it has changed me in many ways. Like I've been working abroad uh, in difficult areas for around 13 years, I think. But I definitely still have fear. And I think that's needed. Mm. And I think it was also very helpful in, in Hong Kong in the sense that I think I understood the environment in this understanding how unpredictable it was. Because people were getting injured also more and more. And we photographers and journalists got also hit because it was basically impossible not to get hit by rubber bullets or tear gas or something else. So it was a certain level of risk also for myself. But I was surrounded by all these kids and very young people taking much, much bigger risk. And I think you are aware of that when you're there. So I didn't. I felt okay working on it. Of course, there were situations that were difficult. Uh, but for me personally, this was okay. But yeah. it was, you really could feel the desperation of the protesters. And mm-hmm. that's also sort of easy to grasp when you're there and you speak with people all the time and you follow the same people over months. But to capture it on film is it's a challenge. Uh, so I, I really wanted to also work with those feelings because you have just filming action parts. It's not very gripping. Yeah, yeah. We can talk more about that. But uh, I, I sort of have these concrete and vague ideas spinning around in my head. And then I'm, I had a visual idea for how I could work there. And that was basically just to try to be as close as possible and move around with the camera and the same movement as the protesters. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the the desperation comes through for sure. And I think part mm-hmm. of it is, you know, the interviews that you conduct are kind of taken in that world, you know, in in, in the midst of a demonstration or in the midst of, you know, tear gas being shot, <laughs> you know, in the mm-hmm. background. So you feel the desperation, you see the desperation. And more than that, what your documentary does so brilliantly is in a short period of time, you understand what these people are fighting for and how important mm. it is. All over the world, we're seeing these kind of fights and demonstrations for equal rights or against police brutality like we're doing here in America. How do you feel about you know like what documentary filmmaking can do to kind of help these movements take steps forward? My hope is that you can contribute to create a better understanding about what's happening in places where you are not yourself. So you could mm-hmm. could bring attention to a topic and to a place and try to work with it in a way that make people care, basically. Uh, yeah. it, sometimes it sounds like a cliche when you're trying to talk about it, but that was that has been my aim since I started working with movies in Afghanistan. Because there, I definitely had the feeling of being in a place where very important things were happening, but it was very difficult to bring those stories out and make people in very different settings care. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was also the aim of the movie from Hong Kong, to bring attention and to try to tell the story in another way than I would have done as a news reporter. Because I've been a news reporter myself, and I sort of know the methods and I know the limitations. 
so and I'm always following news, so I, I love watching news, but I think you can work on topics and try to experiment in different ways when you are free to work on a documentary for a long time. Uh, so yeah. I, I basically, I, I think it's what I'm thinking when I'm working myself is to try to help create attention about something that I and hopefully many others care about. Absolutely. What do you hope audiences take away from this film? It's a bit difficult to question, but I, I was really thinking a lot about the desperation out in the street because it's sort of an impossible fight that we are witness to. These very young people with homemade weapons or umbrellas or or just posters uh, taking mm-hmm. on one of the most powerful countries in the world, which is China. Mm-hmm. And the police was very um, harsh, I would say. Certainly at times they were confronting the protesters uh, in a really hard way. It, it's quite similar to, to scenes I've seen in the States this year. So many of the uh, videos and pictures I see from the States um, uh, your demonstrations this year really remind me of what was going on in Hong Kong. And you can also see that they have been inspired directly with the techniques and methods they are using. Right. So I'm hoping when people watch the movie that they would get a sense of the feeling the young people had in the street during those months. Mm-hmm. Because it was so intense, they really felt that they were fighting for the rest of their lives, which makes sense when you understand their perspective. They are afraid that the place they grew up would change dramatically and that they, they would lose their many of their democratic rights. So they are in a more and more desperate way, I would say, fighting to protect their own place. Yeah, And that's, it might be easier to talk about than to show and that was, but the intent of the movie is still to show it, to how it plays out, and also uh, show the risks they take, and then tell it in a way that makes sense, but still allow people to create their own feelings without me or someone else insisting in front of the camera, telling them what's going on. It's sort of it's done on the premise of the of the protest and the protesters, and so there are limitations and challenges in that way but i think that also is one of the points of working with documentaries that you could try to tell stories in uh, hopefully a bit of a different way that's great are you still in contact with any of the people in hong kong that you were working with on the documentary or, or people that you were interviewing and if so how has how has the pandemic kind of affected the demonstrations in Hong Kong? Because I've seen far less updates and, and news about it since the pandemic hit. So I'm curious. Yeah, uh, we are still in touch. Um, so I'm in touch with many of the people, both the people you can see in the movie and others that I was following when I, when I was there. There was so much surveillance and so much fear around communication. So we were already communicating on all these uh, encrypted apps uh, while I was there. But a lot of the protests were organized through Telegram and other apps. So and in that way, it's been also been easier to stay in touch. Right. The pandemic 
certainly put a halt on the protests. I was there when it started, and Hong Kong was one of the areas that were quite early hit by the virus, uh, even though it was there before many people actually knew it, because at first it was only rumors back in December. But then when it became a bigger news story and, and the government uh, and the protesters became very aware of the virus, uh, Hong Kong has been hit severely by viruses earlier, mm-hmm. uh, SARS and other viruses. So they are very aware of the problem, much much more, I would say, than we were in Europe. Um, so there were the protesters were stopping the mass gatherings actually before they had to because they were afraid of getting the virus. Right. So there, were, there was a break which lasted for a very long time. Um, you haven't seen mass marches and demonstrations like you see in that movie uh, this year. Uh, there has been certain days where you have had some efforts, but it hasn't been on that scale. What has really changed the situation in Hong Kong is that new national security law was passed this summer. And that was especially created in order to crush this protest. So the sentences now are very uh, strict on any action that can be deemed or seen as uh, challenging uh, the state, uh, which is basically all the actions you saw last uh, autumn and until, until December, I would say. Man. It is crazy times ahead, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a really crazy year. I recommend everybody check out this film because it is, like I said, it just it puts you in there, and it's it's something to be uh, experienced. For my friends in the states, it it will feel close to home. It feels like we're not too far removed from the fight that these people are fighting as well. So. Do not split. You can check it out at the New Orleans Film Festival, November 6th through the 22nd. And you can follow us on Instagram also at LA Diversity Film Fest. We're going to be promoting the film and keeping you guys up to date with everything with it. We're going to take a quick break, everybody. When we come back, Anders is going to help us out with our favorite segment. Give me three. We'd like to take a minute and give a very special thanks to our new sponsor, E-Minutes. E-Minutes is a company of entertainment lawyers who are dedicated to giving a platform to underrepresented voices by helping filmmakers form companies and other necessary legal entities. They're sponsoring a new award with LADFF called the Emerging Filmmaker Award and giving their services for free to the lucky winners. You can find out more about them by going to LADFF.com and clicking on the E-Minutes link. All right, we're back on Film Forward, everybody. We're talking with Anders Hammer. He's the director of this short documentary, Do Not Split. It was an official selection at Sundance, and you can see it at the New Orleans Film Festival. Anders is going to give us three films that have inspired him or inspired his work. Anders, let's get your first one. The first one is a Danish documentary from 2010 called Armadillo. Mm -hmm. It's actually taking place in Afghanistan, in southern Afghanistan, in Helmand, which is one of the most 
violent provinces in Afghanistan. But we are following a group of Danish soldiers in a way that I had never seen before I saw this movie. And it really shocked me <laughs> when I saw mm-hmm. it. Uh, and it's also, it's a bit strange. So I'm, I'm from Norway, which is obviously very close to Denmark. So I understand Danish. So when we see these Danish soldiers at home in Denmark, it's like, for me, it's watching someone in my own country. And I had lived in Afghanistan for three years uh, when I saw the movie. Uh, I moved to Afghanistan in 2007. This came out in 2010. And I had been trying then for three years to tell stories from Afghanistan about the war and about the life in general. And I'm not necessarily positive to all the movies I see about soldiers. I think they tend to, like (laughs) some more traditional war movies, I'm not necessarily a big fan of. Uh, But this way of telling a story about that war, I was not prepared for. It was very cinematic. It was very experimental. And it was like something I'd never seen before. It's very close to fiction. So, and I also think we have had see we have seen a lot of movies being inspired by this movie that now came out ten years ago. But I had never seen anything like it. And the director he also went on to work on uh, several uh, fictional projects. He has worked on a True Detective, which I really liked, and mm-hmm. he has also been working on Zero Zero Zero, which is a series that. At least in Europe, you can watch on HBO. This was uh, just very inspiring. And even though the topic is difficult, because it's about the psychology of war. It's about Afghanistan, but also about the mentality of young Danish men. So I really recommend people to see it if they haven't seen it. Yeah, I saw it a couple of years after it came out, and it really hit me hard. And it was... It was a great watch. Like you said, it's it's cinematic. It's unlike any war movie you'll ever see, mostly because it's real. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. But <laughs> when I saw this was one of your picks, I, I considered re-watching it, but I, I wasn't in the mood for the day on the day. No, no, like, it's, 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 it's a tough it's movie. A, yeah, but it's it's worth, if you have not seen it, it is absolutely Worth checking out. The filmmaker is absolutely incredible. Armadillo. It's available to rent, I think, wherever VOD stuff is. Okay, your second one, sir. So the second one is Citizen Four. It's about Edward Snowden. And I saw this when it came out, and I was very surprised. It's about the topic that I care about, which is surveillance. But I was really impressed by how intense it's possible to make a movie in a hotel room. Because this is basically most of the movies filmed in a hotel room, and actually in Hong Kong. It's directed by Laura Paitras, and it tells the story about Edward Snowden and basically what he did. That story is so strong and so interesting in itself, but I was very impressed by how the actual movie was made. Actually, so impressed that I contacted uh, Poitras. Uh, the year after, in 2015, 
Mm-hmm. Because she has also worked in Iraq, and I had been in Iraq, and I'd filmed a pilot for a project. So I sent that pilot to Poitras, which then just had established uh, Field of Vision, which is a film company uh, based in New York. So that's how I got in touch, basically, with Field of Vision, which I also worked on Do Not Split. Yeah. Uh, so in that this movie also became very important for me personally because I, I don't think I would have ended up working uh, for Field of Vision if I, at that point, if I hadn't seen the movie and got interested in all the projects uh, Laura Poitras uh, was doing. Uh, so in in many ways, this was extra important to me, but I, I recommend anyone who haven't seen it to see it, especially filmmakers, because it must have been so difficult to go into that production and also a high level of risk and unpredictability. But it's really an intense watch too. So yeah. and so different from Armadillo that we first talked about. This is something else. Yeah. Like you said, the fact that most of it takes place in a hotel room and it was still, I mean, it just, it plays like a thriller, like your yes. heart's pounding. Uh, and even kind of before they get into that hotel room, like you said, it's, it must have been such a nerve wracking film to make because his filmmakers are putting, you know, their lives on the line, their careers on the line as well. So the tension is built so early and it just hovers there for, for the entirety of the film. And then, and then it sticks with you after you finish the film as well. Oh um, yes. <laughs> yes. Like <laughs> you're constantly uh, checking over your shoulder, looking <laughs> at your phone and everything, but it is, it's an incredible, incredible documentary. I think it won the Oscar that year too. Uh, yes. For best yes documentary. It, yeah. it can easily make you paranoid, but, it, but it's worth it. Absolutely. And so cool that you uh, you contacted uh, Laura after that and, you know, you've made films through the company. That That is amazing. Uh, it was ju- just an email and a Vimeo link, but uh, I was very, that's how, <laughs> how the world work, can work these Absolutely. days. So um, I was very happy and I, I'm extremely happy for working with Field of Vision. All right, Anders, your third and final film. Yeah, it's actually a series, uh, but it's it will become a movie. It just came out in uh, Norway and the UK and Sweden and Denmark, uh, and it's called The Mole. It's uh, directed by the Danish director Mats Brygge. Some might have seen some earlier projects by uh, he made The Red Chapel, uh, which mm-hmm. was from Korea some years ago. And he made uh, also the ambassador. But this is something else. This is something I've never seen before. <laughs> right. and I, I just saw it uh, when it came out like two weeks ago. And it's this insane story. I don't want to spoil it too much. But it's basically a Danish unemployed cook. So he's making food. Uh, but he... He stops making food and he goes undercover in North Korea. And you have never seen anything like this story. Oh. <laughs> he, he, he starts by joining one of these friend organizations, solidarity organizations for North Korea in Denmark. So this is obviously a very, very small group of older communists 
uh, coming right. together, fighting for a very difficult cause, which is like uh, promoting North Korea to the, the rest of the world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this this guy, <laughs> he is he is so calm, and he just he has decided from the start to go undercover. So his name is Ulrich. Uh, and he looks like the calmest guy in the world. And he brings a camera because he says that he wants to make these propaganda videos for YouTube and other promotion channels. So he's filming all the way. Uh, and he also links up with a former drug seller. He has been in prison for, I think, eight years in Denmark. He's called Mr. James. He plays the role of weapon and drug buyer. And he, these two guys start negotiating with North Korean official. But it sounds like the North Korea comedy that came out a couple of years ago, but everything right. is... <laughs> but it's real. <laughs> it's real, and it's so crazy. So I don't want to spoil it, but it's just... You will be uh, sort of breathless from watching what they actually filmed inside North Korea and outside in this secretive network with criminals and public officials. So I really recommend people to watch it. I'm not sure when it will come out, out in the States and whether you will be able to see the series or the movie first, but I'll just tell you to to be on the look for it because it's really worth seeing as, as soon as possible. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. I, I had heard about it because... Yes. One of my friends in Europe posted about it. I was like, whoa, that sounds crazy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully, I think early next year is when we're supposed to get it. So we will we will keep an yeah, eye out for I'm that. Sure, sure, it will come soon. Yeah. Uh, but you just have to watch it. We will. We will put it on our list. Those are an excellent three choices, Anders. And I think they fit very well with your film. Once again, thank you. Thank you for doing this. And thank you for all the work that you do and, and for making Do Not Split. It's a very powerful and important film. Thank you. I'm happy to be a part of this. And it was a pleasure to speak with you. Before we go, do you have a, uh, a website or anything that uh, our audience can uh, find you and, and keep up to date with you? I have my personal website, which is my name, basically, .com, Anders Hammer, like in the tool. Uh, dot com uh, and it will also be more information about uh, do not split on the field of vision website so that's uh, fieldofvision.org excellent and you can see do not split at the new orleans film festival once again the festival runs november 6th through the 22nd visit neworleansfilmsociety.org for details and tickets and you can subscribe to Film Forward, and you're going to hear more about the incredible films that are coming out at this year's New Orleans Film Festival. We got uh, many more episodes to come highlighting those films. Once again, thank you, Anders. Thank you all for listening to Film Forward, and we will catch you next time. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.